chapter 5 has proven itself to be a key chapter that really deals uh, in particular with the first coming of Christ. But, uh, you know, as you go through this, you're going to see how that, what is going on back here, and this is what I want to try to explain today, what is going on back here is really uh, has affected everything in Christianity today. And I want to try to get you to see that. I, I know today's Father's Day and, you know, every around the world today in churches, they're talking about, you know, fathers and doing Father's Day messages. And, you know, when Mother's Day came, I, I gave you a, a great message on the truth. And I want to do the same thing today because I'm going to tell you something. I wish that all fathers that claim to be saved did everything they were supposed to do with their children. I, I, that would be ultimately in a perfect world. But we know that doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I've spent my whole life in ministry, and, and many of you, when you came here, you had issues, you know, and you've gotten through it, and your family's doing great, and boy, God really has done some things for you, and you're an invaluable part of this ministry. But needless to say that, you know, that, that uh, in the day and age that we live today, that's the exception and not the rule. Uh, we see the attack today is against families. There's no question about that. And we know why, because we've talked about that before. And uh, if the devil is going to destroy the family, he's going to he's start with what should be the head of the family, and that is the father. And so it's a key aspect that when we're looking at this stuff in John chapter 5, and I'll keep reminding you as we go through this, I want you to see today from what was going on back then. You know, because in our first message, we we saw one of the most powerful miracles in the Bible, the moving of the water there at, at the Pool of Bethesda. And I showed you how that it illustrated for us Israel's spiritual condition at the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly showing us through this story here about a certain man, uh, Israel's infirmities, him being impotent, which we know is powerless, having no power. Him being <coughs> blind, which is no spiritual insight. Him being halt, <coughs> which really illustrates no real walk with God. And then, of course, him being withered uh, with no work. And these are the people that are laying around that pool. And I showed you how that, that was absolutely historically true back in, in, in Jesus' time in this story, but inspirationally, it's a picture of where we're at today. You cannot miss the parallels between what happens in the Old Testament and where we're at today. And then last week, we saw how that Israel rejected him, didn't we? And uh, I've said many, many years when I look at people, not just dads, but moms and kids and everybody, I, I say to myself, Jesus is the only man in the world who never did anything to anybody, but yet nobody wants anything to do with him. And uh, we saw how that Israel rejected him last week. They rejected him in the face of all the Old Testament scriptures and the sign gifts that they were told to look for that would identify him so there would be no mistake. And I showed you one of the greatest single truths of the Bible that I hope, if you get nothing out of anything else I say, I hope this one thing permeates in your mind forever. And that will simply be the greatest single truth that you'll ever find about figuring things out. And that is the fact that certainly history will always repeat itself. 
We saw in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 where he says there's nothing new under the sun. He says, somebody will come and say, wow, look at this, it's brand new. And he say, no, no, it's been around a long time. History goes through a repetitiveness. And I say it all the time. I've heard it said all my life and all my ministry. The only thing that men never learn from history is the fact that they never learn anything from history. So in John chapter 5 last week, I showed you that three times in history, how in this one area with Christ here dealing with Israel in particular, history has repeated itself. And how that the devil, which we know from last week is the fifth cherub, our fifth columnist, will be a key player in the cycle of that history so you can track him. And, and how that uh, he has, uh, in the Old Testament, destroyed the nation of Israel, and the New Testament he has destroyed the New Testament church. And in both cases, he did it through the families. You know, people scratch their heads sometimes and wonder why that it's such a rigid uh, thing with children back in the Old Testament. I mean, if, you're, if you had a boy who's, or a girl who's 15, 16, 17 years old in the Old Testament and they were rebelling against their parents, the parents would deal with them to a point and then when to no avail, then they would take him before the elders uh, and the elders would try to deal with them. And if they rejected that, they would simply take him out, put him in a hole and stone him. And, you know, and, and people look at that and they say, wow, that was pretty barbaric back there. Well, you're missing the point. Back in the Old Testament, as in the New Testament, God's program, his system revolved around the families. You know that from Abraham. And it was so key. And you lose the family, you lose Israel. And in the New Testament, you lose the family, you lose the church. So it's, it's, it's just where it goes. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy. And, uh, and, and, and we've seen that all through the cycle of history, you can, you can track him. And he's infiltrated both the Old Testament and the New Testament, every aspect of God's structure, whether it is Old Testament Israel as a nation or the church today. And he took from both of them the single thing that they needed to survive. You know, and, uh, and you know, in the book of Job, chapter 41 and 42, I, I know I've told you this many, many times. You have four definitive passages on the devil in your Bible. Everything you need to know or wherever you need to go, you find in these four chapters. There's two in the Old Testament and there's two in the New Testament. The two in the Old Testament are Job chapter 41 and Job chapter 42. The two in the New Testament, Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 13. You get those four chapters down on both sides of the cross, and you'll have some information. And, uh, you know, it's all rejected today, I might tell you, by scholarship, by the big-time preachers, by the Bible colleges, by the men who hold themselves up as the great scholars of the Word of God. They reject all that stuff. They wouldn't believe any more that Job 41 and 42 is, has anything to do with the devil than, uh, than Revelation chapter 12 and 13. Back there in Job chapter, 14, uh, Job chapter 41 and 42, it talks about a behemoth. It talks about Leviathan. We know that is defined in the Bible as the devil, but when scholarship gets a hold of it, it tells you it's an elephant or a whale. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it's an incredible, credible thing to just get your Bible down. Verse chapter 41, verse 13, to me, is probably about the devil. 
is probably the greatest single verse anywhere in the Bible that should be an eye-opener for anybody. And he says there, who can discover the face of his garment? I've taught you this before, and I'm certainly not going to get into it this morning, but you can't separate the Bible from history. They go together. And if you'll take your Bible and you'll understand 41 and 42 and chapter 12 and 13 in Revelation, you will find when it deals with these garment changes, down through the history of man, from Genesis to where we're at and beyond, there have been seven, there will be seven garment changes. Seven places in history and in your Bible where the devil will change his garments to appear to be something else, but his face always stays the same. We use the term face value. That's a Bible term. You never look at the devil and Satan as he's doing his destructive infiltration work at, at, at the way it, the garments are. You take him at face value. And, you know, he, as he does that, he infiltrates God's plan to destroy it and to stop it. We, we've seen this over the last couple of weeks. And the key, as far as I'm concerned, now I know you're going to find that the most of your God's people will fall into three categories. You'll find those who care really nothing about the Word of God and they wouldn't open it if their life depended on it. You find those who play with the Word of God, you know, but they don't really ever get into it. It's just a, a play thing. And then you have people like many of you. You search the Scriptures. You go after the Bible. You're a workman that will need not to be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ because you actually get into the Scriptures. And, 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 and when you do that, the key for you will be understanding, not just understanding all things like we talked about, understanding how and when he changes garments because it's absolutely key. It's absolutely key for your success today, not only for this church but in your family, certainly if you're a father. Now, the infiltration, we talked about this last week, started way back. We like to get the idea that, you know, but the devil's plan from the very beginning was to stop God's plan. So all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, God put Adam and Eve down in a garden. He had a plan for them. And that plan was, you know, going to be fulfilled as God gave them the instructions and told them what to do. What happened? The devil showed up and he stopped God's plan. He, he took away, or he thought, he took away what God was going to do, and uh, he messed up the garden. He threw man into sin. And of course, you know what I'm saying all that. He, he didn't stop God because God just kind of sidesteps it, and God knows what's going to happen. God uses everything. When the Bible says all things work together for good to them that love God or call according to the Scriptures, he means all things. And all things in the Bible, no matter whether it Absalom does it, the devil does it, Saul does it, Solomon does it. God uses it for his work to good. You got to understand that. So, you know, we see, uh, we see how that there again, we have the first picture. Adam is a type of Christ. Eve's a type of the church. She came out of him. You came out of Christ. God took Eve out of the side. That's where she, he came from. And when Christ was on the cross, that Roman soldier put a spear in the same part of his side and just as in Genesis, the Eve came out of the type of the church through his death on the cross through that side. Water and blood came out, became the church. 
So it's a picture all the way through there. And what happened? The day that the, day that the devil destroyed God's plan, or thought he did anyhow, he showed up with Eve when Adam wasn't there. I don't know where Adam was, but he wasn't at home, and it was by that deception that she got deceived. That's a picture of the church age. Christ is up in heaven right now. He's not here. In fact, when Paul wanted to make a reference to the church, you and me over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when he wanted to make a reference to that, you know what he used? You and me in the church being beguiled and being deceived. You know what he used? Adam and Eve. He says, as the devil beguiled Eve. So we see that it goes all the way back. Then we saw it, and I gave you this last week, that in, from Genesis chapter 50 to Exodus chapter 12, you have that 400 years or so, about 430. While they're down in Egypt and the devil is infiltrated the promised land to keep them out. I showed you also in 606 B.C. when they go into their captivity uh, up to the first coming of Christ, you have another 400 and some odd years and now the devil is doing his work again to destroy everything that he had. We had a question about the Apocrypha Thursday night. This is the time period that the Apocrypha is written in. And then I showed you that the third 400 years in our third little picture here uh, will be from 1611 to today. And we talked about, you know, the editions of the King James Bible Thursday night and went through all of that. And so we see three times history has repeated itself in particular. Exodus, Genesis 50 to Exodus 12, 606 to the first coming, and then today for us. And last week I showed you how the devil infiltrated Israel for their 400 years and, uh, that, and, and through, by bringing in the Sadducees and the Pharisees uh, and then corrupted the priesthood and the, and the scribe. By the way, that's garment change number three on your list. And the reason was, the purpose was to, to blind Israel to God's truth, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, by the God of this world. Then I took you to our 400 years and our own infiltration from 1611 to 2011 uh, and on, and how that the devil again corrupted the church by adding uh, our own non-biblical participants in by satanic implants to destroy the church. And we talked about that. So, so now, so far, we have studied chapter 5 a couple, of, a, couple of, a couple of weeks now, and we've seen, one, God's miracle to Israel to be made whole. Two, last week, we saw their total rejection of him as their Messiah. Now, today, I want to go to the third aspect, and I want to show you why they rejected. I want to show you why Israel, in face of everything that they had, why they rejected. What's really going on here? One of the things you're going to have to learn about the Bible, and you'll get there in time if you stick around here. One of the things that you're going to learn about the Bible is the ability to go behind the scenes. Nothing in the Bible is at face value. There's always something working behind the scenes that you want to learn to be able to look at. And my job <clears throat> is to help teach you how to go behind the scenes. One of my favorite movies is the old 1932 with Judy Garland, The Wizard of Oz. Everybody's seen that. It's a classic. Everybody likes it. <clears throat> and most people, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the, about eight or nine years ago, the last munchkin died. Uh, he didn't get any bigger. He just died. 
<clears throat> but those are those little guys, you know. And uh, I've always liked it. I always did. I just thought it was good. I mean, I just, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I watched it, you know. My mom would yell at me because I'd go around the house going, oh, wee, oh, oh, oh. And my kids grew up watching it. <clears throat> but the time my kids were watching it, I learned a great truth. And it's something that I carried with me, and I've tried to instill into parents, too. You know, my kids watched it one time. It shows you how old nature is, prevails over what God wants to do. They watched that one time, and they knew after watching it one time, they knew the songs were off to see the wizard. They knew where Kansas was. They knew who the wolf man and the straw man and the, uh, what's the wolf man, you know, those three guys were. They, they were walking around the house. It's off to see the wizard and playing them back and forth. And I thought to myself, there it is. One time they watched that movie and they had it all down. I've tried to work with them now for months to learn memory verses. It's easier for your kids to pick up the world than it is the word of God. And you need to learn that. Now, you wouldn't think you'd learn that from the Wizard of Oz, but I did. You ought to see what I learned from Sands of Iwo Jima. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> <clears throat> So, you know, it's a thing where in the Wizard of Oz, it's, they got this idea that they're off to see the wizard. Now, I don't know if you know how much Bible that really is or not, but uh, they're going on a yellow brick road. And a yellow brick road is going to take them to some guy out there who has the answer to everything in life and is, uh, you know, the great wizard. And when they get there, they think that he's going to get them back to Kansas. First mistake. Who'd want to go back to Kansas, man? But anyway, <clears throat> you know, Topeka, Kansas, living proof that hell's full and dead men walk the earth. Come on. But anyway, so it's a thing where they're, they're, they go to see the wizard, and there's lightning, and they're saying, oh, we're finally here. And you might know it. The hero of the story is Toto. Toto goes over and pulls the curtain back, and we see that the whole thing was a fraud. There was no wizard. <clears throat> All the things that were going on that they thought were real was simply somebody behind the scenes pulling all the strings. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Everything you see going on around you today is just simply somebody behind the curtain pulling the strings. And the quicker you learn that, the smarter you're going to be and the less deceived you're going to be Understanding in reality will take you inside the dressing room when he's changing garments. Understanding in reality will be just our ability to go behind the events and read what is really going on. And you see that that is the key. That was the key to Israel. They had no idea what was going on at the first coming of Christ because somebody was behind the curtain pulling all the strings. And just like in the Wizard of Oz, they went there to see the Grand Wizard and some, he didn't exist and everything was an illusion that he was doing behind the curtain. And what you're seeing today in New Testament Christianity is an illusion. This is why families are broken. This is why fathers fail. This is why mothers fail. This is why people have their kids and, and you know, they get saved. And there's a great lesson that you ought to learn about first and second thermodynamics. In particular, the law of enthalpy. Things left to themselves 
don't go up, they go down. And you'll find in an average family when the mom and dad or dad or mom or whatever doesn't do what's right, they maybe get saved, but they don't do what's right. The next generation of kids will be worse off than they are. And then the next kids after that will be worse than the kids before. And that thing will degenerate right down the line. Hey, I've seen great preachers who really had a good handle on the Word of God and really were great preaching, but they didn't do what right with their kids. And after they were dead, their kids fell out of church, quit doing what was right, got messed up in all kinds of stuff, and two generations later, they all married unsaved people, and that great preacher, whoever he may have been, they all forgot who he was. You know why? Because things left to themselves don't go up, they go down. Let me tell you something. If God does not inject himself into your life, you're not going up, you're going down. If God doesn't continually inject himself into your marriage, into your family, into your kids, they're not going up, they're going down. And you can pretend you're at Oz and the wizard is pulling all the strings, but behind the scenes is a disaster. And that's just the reality of life. I'm sorry. Happy Father's Day. It's a reality of life. All through history, all through the Bible, it's so simple. You all you see all the stuff, you know, and you read all the stuff, and oh, my goodness, you could read volumes and volumes and volumes on world history, American history, European history, English history. What a boring thing that is. You could go, and I've read them, and you could go through that stuff on and on. Let me cut it all down for you. All history, I don't care where it is, is nothing more than God moving in a direction to accomplish his plan and the devil moving in opposition to stop it. Now, you can pick up your Ph.D. on the way out, and you're, you're good. But that's just what it is. Nothing in the Bible is at face value. There's always something going on behind the scenes. And just as God hid himself from Israel at the first coming of Christ, you find that in Matthew chapter you know, uh, 13, he, he, he hid himself from the nation of Israel at the first coming of Christ. He's done the same thing today. And God's people cannot find him. Just like they couldn't find him at the first coming of Christ when he was right there. Why? Because they rejected what he gave them. And without the word of God, my friend, you are blind. And that's why God's people today, dads today, moms today, families today, they're just like this, they're just like this, this guy here in chapter five. They have no power, they're blind, they have no work. And they have no walk. You know, I, 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 like, I like movies. I like good movies. You know, I know there's a lot of preachers that say you shouldn't watch movies. So I don't. I watch films. <laughs> I remember years and years ago, <clears throat> I was working for a pastor, <clears throat> and uh, I had to get up, and they were showing Christian films uh, on Saturday night, you know, for people to come and, you know, those goofy things that they used to make back in those days. And, uh, I, I had to make the announcement for it cause I was in charge of it. So I got up and I, I, I said, uh, we're just Saturday night. We're going to have, we're, we're just, we're going to have a, 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 a movie and, uh, you know, we want you all to come give the name of, you know, I forget what it was and, and all those things. And afterwards the pastor pulled me aside and he said, don't ever say that that way again. I said, say what? He says, don't ever call it a movie. I said, what are you talking about? He says, it's a film. I said, oh, I got it. I got it. You see, here it is. When you say movie, God goes. When you say film, God goes. 
It's stupid. I grew up in a day where, you know, you guys don't have this problem now, but I'm going to tell you, back in my day in Canton, you would never get to play softball or that because your hair is too long and you got that, whatever that is. <laughs> your hair, not right? Your hair had to be over the top of your ears. You couldn't touch it. You're, you're, you were out. You'd be gone. And I, that was another thing. We had hippies back then. How many know who hippies are? How, okay, I got a better question. Back in the day, how many were hippies? Carlene, were you a hippie? You look hippie to me. I don't know. I thought maybe you guys met at Woodstock or something, you know. Passing the joint, you know. Anyway, I'm just kidding. So, 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 so anyway, you know, and I figured it out. I watched a guy preach one time. And he got lathered up. He was really going to town. And he didn't have a lot of hair. He was, you know, he was kind of like Woody. He didn't have a lot of hair. And, and, but by the time he was preaching, you know, his hair was all down in his face and everything, you know, that. And immediately I got the revelation from God. You or the hippies couldn't come to church because the hair was too long. So I said to myself, you see, when your hair goes over this way, God is not pleased. But when that hair goes down in your face, it's okay. So it wasn't hair, it was the placement of hair. And I learned how goofy it was. And it's a thing where I'm telling you, uh, you know, it, you, you, you see these things and you understand these things and, and pretty soon, man, I mean, uh, it, it's just crazy. So God hid himself with the first coming of Christ, and he's hid himself now. So what churches have done, what pastors have done, they come up with this goofy stuff to replace the Bible. And I like movies because, uh, you know, uh, especially the, the, the I, loved, I loved the Da Vinci Code. Remember that one? And then there was the one, oh, there was National Treasure. Remember that one? Uh, Indiana Jones. All the way back to they were looking for the Ark of the Covenant, and then they were looking for the Golden Challenge, uh, and then you know, the Da Vinci Code was, you know, that was a code hidden into the thing. National Treasure was based on the Masons and all this stuff in Washington. I saw a thing the other night on Nostradamus, you know, that great guy who lived back in whenever and, uh, you know, saw all these future events, and wow, what a great thing he is. You have the Masons who are a secret organization, you know, who, who uh, everything's a mystery. And you've got to do all kinds of stuff to get to be a 32nd degree Mason. And, uh, you, know, uh, you, you know, I guess, and then you have the Shriners. They wear little goofy little hats, drive the little go-karts around in the parades, Just have the bumper stickers, need help, call me, I'm a Shriner. You know, things like that. And I'm not fighting it, but all of that stuff was, was mystery movies. Now, they're all satanic by design, and they're satanic by design. I'm not saying they're bad and you shouldn't watch them, but I am saying everything in those movies was coded. Everything in in those movies, there was a mystery. You had to find the code to get the truth about the movie. That's what made them great. I mean, that's a lot better than Texas Chainsaw Massacre where there's no plot to it. They just cut everybody up with chainsaw. Now, I like that. Nothing better for me to seeing teenagers get hacked to pieces with a chainsaw. I love that stuff. But there's no mystery to that. It's just, you know, off you go, man. 
excuse me, Greg, I didn't mean to get down over you. But yeah, it's okay. But it's a thing where, you know, I, I love those kind of movies. But they're all, they're all fake. They're all designed to hide the real book of secrets from you. And that'll be the Word of God. You know, the Bible is the true mystery book. Agatha Christie made a lot of money on, on her mystery novels of who done it. And you know, that's all throughout the Bible, who's doing it. I mean, you realize that there's 12 mysteries in the Bible given to Israel and there's seven given to the church? And they're all coded. Everything else is a phony counterfeit to the real, you know, section of life and history and God and the devil. The Bible is the greatest book of secrets and of coded messages that you will ever find. And if you're ever going to learn your Bible here, you're going to have to go through and learn how to decode it. No, I've given you the keys, key words, key phrases, context. I give you all those things. But God's secret in breaking the code is only given today to a select few. Just like who he was was only given to a select few back in the first coming of Christ. And it's based on understanding. Remember last week, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the six things you do or seven things you do to get understanding, the prayer in Psalm 119. And of course, this is, this is, this is the key to, to these, this book of secrets. And there's always a key. And the key for this is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, the key of David. You know, secrets to us from God's secret book. Now, I, I talk like this, and there's somebody out there, I guarantee you. Well, gee, I, I, I just don't know about that. I think he's stretching things. All right, turn over to Deuteronomy 29, 29. Let me get your elastic back in shape. It says in 29.29, the secret things, oh, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that he may do all the law. You know why somebody will scratch their head and say, well, I don't know if the Bible's book is secret? Because God never given you any. I mean, when that comes to that book, you're as blind as a bat backing in backwards. I mean, you just don't get it. And yet on top of that, God will out of the book of secrets give and reveal them to you. Things that he won't give to anybody else, but he reveals them to you because of the way you approach the word of God. Hey, and then when you get them, you pass them on to your kids. Happy Father's Day. The greatest gift you can give your children won't be a new bicycle. It won't be to buy them a car at graduation. It won't be to buy them a dress for prom. It won't be to buy them a suit and a tuxedo, uh, you know, or buy them a new shotgun or a new fishing rod or whatever the case may be. The greatest gift you can give them is the secret that God has given you and pass them on to your children. Oh, hey, I know we got a young church here with all these young kids, but I'm never going to forget all you oldies but goodies. Remember back in the 50s and the 60s, there was two great television programs. One of them was Truth or Consequences. Remember that one? And the other one was What's My Line? Remember that one? You probably still find them on a cable someplace. Probably tucked in with Freddy Krueger, but they're there someplace. And, you know, you know I, I remember watching those. And back in the day, I was just a kid. But once I got into the Bible, I saw 
the value of those things back in those days. And, you know, nobody was trying to put up, but you can't get away from the Bible because I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to life, it's, it's either truth or consequences. You know that? And I'm going to tell you something else. The, the TV program, What's My Line, people had to guess who you were, where you are. They were blindfolded, and you had to talk, and they'd ask questions, and then they'd have to guess who you are. And for Christianity today, there's a lot of guessing on who we are. And that's based on truth or consequences. I, I've never seen a time when God's people have been more confused about everything in this world. And that's the plan of the devil. I mean, that's his deal. That's his goal. I get that. And, you know, it's a thing where we live in a world of conspiracy theories. I mean, and, you know, and every generation had its conspiracy theories. And, you know, you don't know that because you don't really know history. I'll go back to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in 1865 by John Wilkes Booth. They went to see a movie in Ford, uh, a movie, <laughs> yeah, film. They went to see a play in Ford's Theater. Anybody know what the name of that play was? I just, if you, you raise your hand, if you give me the right answer, you can have whatever you want out of the bookstore. Anybody know what that movie uh, play was? Well, I'm going back to the bookstore and get something out of it then. Because I know. You don't know? Huh? It wasn't Die Hard. No, it wasn't Die Hard. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll work on that. Work on that. But you know what? He was shot in 19, 19, 1865. You know, the conspiracies were everywhere that he really wasn't dead. You realize that they moved, they moved his grave 17 times and opened his casket to make sure he was there five times before they finally encased him in cement and put him down there where nobody could get into him. Why? Because the conspiracies were flying all over the place. They were saying, he's not really dead. He's not really dead. You know, you know, and you hear it today. Elvis isn't really dead. He's out there someplace, you know, you know, wearing the, you know who he is because he's wearing blue suede shoes. But, but it's the thing where that's, that's the way it goes today. But, I mean, imagine moving the guy's body 17 times and by, by 1900, Open up his casket five times to see if it's really him. Why? Because the conspiracies were everywhere that he really didn't die. Incredible stuff. 1914, the steamship, passenger ship Lusitania was sunk by a German U-boat. Oh, the conspiracy theories were just everywhere. She was carrying war supplies. To this day, it's a big debate. You can see it on, you know, and then how about the Titanic? You know, the conspiracies about that in its sinking. I mean, oh, then, and then don't forget the Illuminati. The Illuminati is running the world. And, uh, you know, the Jewish bankers are running the world. I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, my, one of my favorites, and I really like to know this, and when I get home to the Lord and I have the Lord's mind, I'll know for sure, Amelia Earhart from Kansas. She's right over here from Kansas. She was a female pilot, and she was flying around the world, uh, set the world's record for a female pilot, and got over there by Howe Island someplace and vanished. Never heard from Never found. But there's all kinds of conspiracies. Some say she ran out of gas. This was about 1938, 39, and the Japanese buildup was over there in the Pacific, wherever she was flying. So the conspiracies were that she really was a secret mission for the U.S. government. And she was spying on it. And so she got shot down or got forced down, and then she was a POW. They even had people that said, I saw Amelia Earhart in a Japanese POW camp. 
conspiracy. Crazy. I mean, it's just unbelievable what people will do. And, and people get caught up in that. I mean, how about the Philadelphia experiment? You know what that was in 1947-48? Supposedly, our American government had, had come through the breakthrough uh, of doing time travel. And so they took a destroyer with a crew on it and through this time travel, whatever it is, uh, brought it through another time and brought it back. In other words, they completely moleculed the ship down, moved it in time, and then put it back together and then take it down with the crew on it. And supposedly when it came back, the crew that were on it were all part of the ship. Their heads were sticking out of the sides of the deal and they got become one with the ship. On and on and on about that stuff. I mean, it's crazy stuff. I mean, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying this is where it goes. Hindenburg disaster. Lake Placid, New York, back in what, 32, 33? The big airship Hindenburg from Germany. Blew up. You've probably seen it on the thing there. Blew up right as it was landing. Killed I don't know how many people. There's a great movie on it called The Hindenburg. Good casting. And it's a, it's a, you know, and that was theories were about what happened to that. We blew it up. The Nazis blew it up. A, you know, it's just crazy stuff. It goes on and on and on. And people just get caught up in all that stuff. You know, Adolf Hitler. He escaped to, you know, Brazil or down someplace there, probably Topeka, Kansas. But, you know, he, nobody ever, it, it's just endless. How about the JSK assassination? Boy, there's one. Well, you can find all the stuff you want about that. And then there's the guys and people that don't believe we landed on the moon. Now, personally, I don't really care whether we did or we don't. But, uh, yeah, it's out there. Well, they didn't really land on the moon. And there's all these things out there, and it's just it's crazy stuff, and it's fine. Oh, 9-11, the World Trade Center. Well, Bush blew it up. And they say, well, you know what? The, 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 that structure had to have explosives hit in it, so Bush did it, or, or you know, or the uh, government did it. I've even saw one on the Internet where the aliens did it. This guy had actually Photoshopped when the thing burning, little aliens running around the top of it. Crazy. And somebody says, well, I think Bush did it. Well, I think the government did it. I think God did it. How's that for you? If you know anything about your Bible. How about the origin of COVID-19? A monkey, I mean a bat or a Wuhan lab. I mean, it's crazy. Unbelievable. None that's coming popular now, and this is about as goofy. You know the world's flat? not really round. The world is flat. I got guys send me stuff all the time saying, you know what? The world's flat. It's not round. Really? I don't know your Bible very well. Bible tells you it's round, but that's okay. You know, it's one of those things where on and on it goes. I got people that believe that the Jews in Jerusalem right now, they're not the real Jews. I had a guy tell me, he says, well, the Jews in Jerusalem aren't the real Jews. And I said, really? He says, no. He says, uh, and he went to this big elaborate thing, but the Jews in Jerusalem are not the real Jews. I said, well, you better tell the Lord because when he's coming back, that's where he's coming. He doesn't know they left. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And I got one today, you know, I was looking this morning, you know, they got brand new evidence now on the Shroud of Turban. You know that burial cloth that supposedly got Jesus' face imprinted in it? And now there's a whole new evidence, you see. Oh, the technology now, we can, we can, we can, we, one guy said, we can pick a rock up out of the ground and do 
scientific research and we can tell you where that rock came from and how old it is. I thought to myself, well, I got some dead rocks in my church. I wish you'd try that out and see where they came from. It's crazy. Now they're saying this has been around for a while. We're going to see the Auschwitz, the Holocaust Museum. You know that there's a bunch of people in this country, especially in America, don't believe there was a Holocaust. They don't believe it ever happened. They believe it's propaganda. Guy told me one time, he said, uh, he said, he said, I don't believe there was a Holocaust. There's no information for it. I asked him, I said, who was the chief prosecutor at Nuremberg? He didn't even know. You would think if you had that kind of information, you'd know who the chief prosecutor was. I know who he was. You know, when they went into all these camps, you know what Eisenhower said? He said, I want all kinds of pictures taken of everything here. You know why? Because someday somebody's going to say this didn't happen. You know what Robert Jackson, the chief prosecutor, said uh, in about 1950 about the Nuremberg trials? When people started to say it didn't happen, he said, you know what, I prosecuted it, and we had all of those Nazis, and they were all faced with all of those things were going on. He says, some of, them, some of them said they didn't know what was happening. Some of them said they were just following orders. Some of them said that if they didn't do what they were told, they would be killed. Some of them said that they didn't like the Jews. And that, uh, but he says, nobody, nobody said it didn't happen. Conspiracy, man. That's what I like about the Bible. The Bible will, if you stay with the Bible, it'll navigate you through all of this goofy stuff that's going on out there that God's people get so caught up in. Hey, I got pastors out there that are so conspiracy theory orientated, I don't know how they ever preach anything out of the Bible. Now, see, I don't make up theories. I make observations. And I make observations of facts, and facts are hard to deny. And you'll find that none of these conspiracy theories are ever oriented in the Bible. They're ordered off most of God's people's new Bible, the Internet. And on and on it goes. And God's people have no understanding, so they get caught up in all this stuff, and they miss the greatest book that God has ever given us of secrets. The real secret book, the real cons- book that opens up the real conspiracy that was going on in John chapter 5 and been going on all down through history and going on right now today. You just missed the garment changes. Now, let's look at our text today and go behind the scenes for a few moments and see what's really going on here in John chapter 5 and also the coming of Jesus to Israel and the opposition he faces from his own people. And remember now, the Bible says in John 1.11 that he came unto his own and his own received him not. Now, let's read John 5, verses 17 through 24. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. You want to mark that. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things, that himself doeth, that he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. 
And as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but he hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Uh, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that beareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Now, Father, help us today. Help us to look at this and fully understand, you know, what is going on here behind the scenes. We love you. We ask you to take this time and to use it for your honor and glory. We'll thank you and give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, for our sake, we ask it. Amen. Now, this passage here, we find the real issue. Going behind the scenes, looking at the actions of the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the Levites, all that group, we see a mind at work who hates the Lord and the God's people Israel. And you'll see this in reality if you ever read Revelation chapter 12 and 13. And we need to develop now an understanding of what's before us. Now, briefly, let's recap what we have talked about the last couple of weeks. The first week, the great miracle. Last week, the rejection of it. And now, I want to show you the real reason. I want to take you behind the veil. I want to take you behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz. And I want to show you the real reason for the rejection of him. And also today, the rejection of of his word. The only thing men never learn from history is the fact that they never learn anything from history. Matthew chapter 21. What a great chapter and what a great story there. And in that chapter, I think you find that it's very clear that these satanic implants that are here at the first coming of Christ that are taking the people and deceiving them, they knew exactly who he was. But I... I I want to give you this in verse 20 here but before we look at that. Verse 20 says, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that, that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that they all may marvel. That verse simply says, and it's a great promise for you and for me. He, God's saying, I'm going to show my Son everything that I'm doing. Now we know in the context historically that's Jesus at the first coming. But you and I are God's son, 1 John chapter 3. So that's a promise to you and me that God will show you and me everything he's doing, if you get understanding. Now let's take a look at the man behind the curtain here <coughs> who's pulling the strings of his satanic puppets. <coughs> and he will be the fifth chair, the devil himself, the fifth columnist, <coughs> And, uh, and here's the verse that is the real issue in verses 17 and 18. That's why I told you to mark this. But Jesus answered, and, and answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Now there's the bottom line right there. The fact that Jesus Christ claimed to be God. Now, that doesn't mean much to most of God's people because they're so shallow in the Word of God. <clears throat> but it brings up the issue of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first issue that you will find when you go back and look at the garments that Satan has and changes but keeps his face is the fact that <clears throat> the devil wanted to be God. He wanted that title for himself. <clears throat> 
The number one book in the world that protects the deity of Christ will be a King James 1611 authorized version. So when the devil had his Bible uh, prepared down there in Alexandria, which comes out with the NIV and all the new ones today, he had, he had origin take on all the verses that have to do with Christ being God. Why? Because he wanted that for himself. So he took it out of the book that you hold in your hands because he hates that aspect because he wants to be God. So today, as I said, if you have an NIV, ASV, New King James Bible or whatever, you will find that all of the verses that deal with Christ's deity are either taken out or they're altered because the devil's real issue that he's moving through here with the scribes and the Pharisees at the first coming, he wants to be God. You will remember in Matthew chapter 4, which deals with the temptation of Christ, the devil does three things. There's three, three temptations before him. The last one he does, he, he takes him up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, doesn't he? And then he says something to him. He says, you know what? <clears throat> if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all those kingdoms. Now, most people just read that and think, well, that was a goofy thing to say. But you see, you got to go behind the scenes. You got to go see what's going on. This, you got to see this thing not at face value. Why did he say that? <clears throat> because the devil knew that at the second coming of Christ, God the Father was going to give all those kingdoms to Christ. See? So if Christ would have accepted that, he'd have had accepted that the devil was God because God's the one that's going to give him to him. You've got to go behind the scenes here. You've got to get understanding. <clears throat> you can't just go around your life and writing down a bunch of Bible verses that mean nothing to anybody. You've got to get into the book yourself. Now, back in Isaiah chapter 14, you want to go behind the scenes? <clears throat> this is where we see the beginning and the fall of Lucifer who becomes Satan. And he says in verse 12 there, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which is weak in the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, here it comes, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He wanted to be God. And this is where it starts. You'll notice, and I've told you this before, verse 12, it says, O Lucifer, son of the morning. That is a title to Lucifer who becomes the devil. In all your new Bibles, <clears throat> the devil had him take out son of the morning and put in morning star. That's a reference to Christ. So now, if you've got an NIV and you're up there preaching or you're wherever you're at today, you've got a, you've got a Bible in verse 12 along with many others where they take the title to the, to, the, to the devil out and put the title of Christ in. Why? Make the devil happy. Kinfolk. So uh, you, can, uh, you can give him the honor and glory that's supposed to go to God. It's not hard. That's done by God's people. The world didn't do that. God's supposedly people did that. Look at Ezekiel chapter 28. Pick it up in verse 12. O son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onox, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold, the workmanship of thy tablets, and thy pipes was uh, prepared in thee in the day that was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, <coughs> fifth cherub. 
And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God when thou walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. It was before he fell. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. He's going to quit being looser. Now he's going to be the devil. Verse 17, thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, and they may behold thee. <laughs> thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it devour thee, <clears throat> and it shall bring thee to ashes, and the earth in the sight of all that behold thee. Now, verse 6 would tell us that he says that he set his heart as the heart of God. That's what he wanted. From the very get-go, all the way back before anything is really recorded, before God puts anybody down in the Garden of Eden, he wanted to be God. So when he tries to get everything back, this is why he came to Adam and Eve. Notice that he says there in verse, uh, verse 13, Now has been in Eden, a garden of God. It's a long way before Adam and Eve, but there's a garden and it's in Eden. So when God put Adam and Eve down in that same garden, that's where the devil was. And he wanted it back. He wanted that back. He wants the honor and glory of being God. And he, that's why when Christ shows up, they go crazy when he says he's God. Because that's what the devil wants. So we see clearly what's taking place in John 5. Started a long time ago with the devil trying to overthrow God and exalt him over to God's throne and be God himself. And so when Christ says, I'm the son of God, which made himself God... This is what they got upset about. And I'll tell you today, you see the same thing. The only thing that men never learn from history is they never learn anything from history. Today, when you claim that the Bible you have in your lap is the absolute perfect Word of God and it's one with God and equal with God, John chapter 1, verse 1, John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, they'll go ballistic too. And it's because, uh, you know, the, the, the crowd today, the crowd today, uh, they didn't want Jesus being equal with God, and the crowd today don't want that Bible, which is Christ, being equal with God. So what he's always done, Old Testament or New Testament, he's infiltrated the true church. And through his fifth column of activity today, he will make none effect the Word of God. That's what he wants to do. Why? Because he wants to destroy families. He knows if the family goes, the church goes. It's just that simple. <clears throat> you know, I've read all kinds of books and all kinds of stuff over the years, and these guys get way too over their head with stuff. <clears throat> the devil's plan is so simple. The devil wants, obviously, to start at the beginning. He wants everybody in hell. He wants every one of you in the lake of fire. Do you know that? Yeah, and that's an enigma to me. Enigma is a mystery, by the way, I think. Uh, that's always been a mystery to me. You're sitting here today, and God's people all around this country and all around the world who claim to be saved, and they're living like the devil. And yet, don't they understand that the very devil that they're serving and doing all the things that he wants is going to wants to wind up and put them in the lake of fire? You know, once I realized the devil wanted to burn me like a torch for eternity, I wanted nothing to do with him. Why do some of God's people still want to be part of him? 
I mean, I, I, it just, I don't get it sometimes. The devil, everybody here, from here to here, and every safe person in this city, and every safe person in this country, and every safe person in this world, devil had one goal for you. He wanted you to burn like a torch for eternity in the lake of fire. And you know what? You got saved, didn't you? Praise the Lord. I'm glad that excited so many of you. You got saved, didn't you? You see, you got saved, but his main attack was to get everybody he can. He's not after the world. He's already got the world. If you think the devil's down there in the bars and the, in the, in the casinos and in, the, in, the, uh, in all those places and down in the, the drafts of society, that's not where he's at. He's already got those people. They're already addicted to something that's going to keep them right where he wants. He's after you. He wants to keep men and women from trusting Christ. I, I can't tell you the, the, the chances against that lady in that rest home. She was in her 80s, wasn't she? Getting saved. Do you realize how hard that is to live 80-plus years old and then find Christ as your own Savior after 80 years of going the other way? But that's what he wants. And so his main theater of operation is not the bars or the discos or the strip clubs. His main theater of operation is churches. So he wanted to establish his own church. And he did. And then he had to have ministers to staff it. And he did. And then he needed a Bible to carry it out. And he did. And through his church, to find in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 is the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, through his church, he has got billions and billions and billions and billions of people in hell. When I start, and you know, and this is really, this is, this is hard for people to accept. And I'll talk to people sometimes and I'll say, okay, we've got to start with this. Do you believe that the Roman Catholic Church, based on Old Testament, based on Revelation 17, 18, Lord knows how many places you can go. I mean, you were told in Matthew not to call anybody father. I mean, you could go all over the place. You were told that there were people going to abstain from eating meat on a certain day and, and, uh, and abstain from marriage in, in, in the ministry. That doesn't figure it out for you. I mean, I don't know what to do. So I say, we've got to start here. Do you believe the Roman Catholic Church is Satan's church? Based on the Bible. And if they say yes then you got something to work with. If they say no, then you just stop right there. I mean, because what you got to say then is that everybody in these churches today are using a Bible that came out of the Roman Catholic Church. Every Bible in the market in the world today came out of Rome except the one that you got in your lap. So now you've got to accept the idea that God brought his word through the devil's church. Oh, it's tough, man. I get it. It's tough. And once you accept that fact, then you've got to realize that the Bible devil's in the Bible business. And he knows. He knows. It's so simple. Part two of his plan. One, he wants to get everybody in hell. Two, he knows that's not going to happen. He knows that the gospel is so powerful. He knows that the Holy Spirit of God has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
He knows that God's going to have churches. He's going to have preachers. He's going to have God's people who are going to witness. They're going to win people to Christ. And he knows that is not a reality. Now, he tries to pull the strings behind the scenes to get everybody to believe that his church is the only true church. But that doesn't work because the Holy Spirit of God cuts right through that. And there's a lot of God's people that get understanding and they know, they can see the garment changes and they go to work and people get saved. So here's his plan. He simply says, oh, you, you, you got saved, did you, Bob? Yes, I did. You ain't going to get me in hell. Well, you know, I'm glad you got saved. You know, I'm glad you're going to be a Christian. I always wanted to be by myself, but I just couldn't live it. I'm really glad that you got saved, and I'm glad for you, and I'm glad you're going to church. See, here's the plan. If he can't get you in his church, then he'll let you stay in whatever church you're in. But here's the trick. He'll say, well, I'm glad you got saved. I'm glad you're going to a church. I'm glad you're having all those great big halftime shows up there and the lights and the smoke, you know. Uh, I'm just glad of all that stuff. And now I hear that these churches are saying it's okay to drink. Man, I'm glad. But I am glad you're going to church. I really am. I don't need to get you in my church. You can stay in your Baptist church. You can stay in your neo-evangelical church. You can stay in your church that you're in there. Just use my Bible. And the, dam- the, the damnation is done. The destruction is done. He don't mind if you stay in a, a, in a Baptist church. He don't mind if you stay in a, a Christian church as long as you don't use that book that makes Jesus Christ God. That's why he wants everybody else to use the other ones. I, I don't say this. In a, this is hard. This is not hard for me to say it, but it's going to be hard for people to understand. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you even wrap your little brain around the fact that today all across this country, all across this city, there's churches who claim to be God's churches, who claim to be saved, and probably are, who are holding church services today with a Bible that gives the devil the preeminence of being equal with God and takes Christ out. And they're too stupid to see it. You know why? They've been blinded. They don't get it. No understanding. They never saw the garment changes. The garments may change, but what a face. And they never get face value of anything. He says, you just use my Bible and go to your church, and Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 will take place, and it'll become the church of the closed door, and I will be on the outside knocking to get in because the Christ that's on the inside ain't got nothing to do with God in a good sense. And God's people just scratch their head and say, well, I just don't know if I accept it or not. Hey, I, you know, I, I, I don't really care whether you do or you don't. You can't deny the facts, and you absolutely have no understanding of history and what he's doing. You think all this stuff out here is God when all it is is the wizard behind the curtain pulling the strings. And you think it's wonderful. You need to go get you a toto. And maybe that's me. Who snarl and pull the curtain back and then bite the wizard on the ankles. Then he'll say, you know what? You do that. Now, you lose the seven things that that old heretic Bob preaches about, you know, that when you lose the Bible. But don't worry about that. Look at the show you got. Look at the breakdancing. Look at the people up there holding that microphone like a big old serpent wading back and forth. <laughs> And here's his plan. 
You may be saved, but in a church or a family that doesn't have the Bible with a leadership, whether it's a dad or a pastor, two or three generations down the line, none of them will be getting saved. And he wins that way and walks out the door laughing, and we're still there in Oz looking at the pulling of the strings. I'm telling you. And John chapter 5 is one of the greatest stories, chapters in the Bible that shows you the great miracles that are happening. They reject him, but why? One little verse, he claimed to be God, and the devil went through the roof. One little verse, he claimed to be God, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes went through the roof. One little saying, the King James Bible is equal with God and is a perfect Bible in the Word of God, and all the Bible scholars and pastors go through the roof today. Why? He's pulling the strings. He wants to be God. And God's people are so stupid that they fall right into the trap of going to churches that should be God's church with the devil's Bible that took the deity of Christ and in Isaiah 14 make Jesus make Jesus make the devil Jesus Christ. And God's people just sit there and say, come out and say, wasn't that wonderful today? Wasn't that just great? Boy, that was an inspiring service. Boy, the music was wonderful. I mean, it was just great. The pastor's sermon was, 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 was just great today. He talked about nothing, but it was wonderful. <laughs> now, that's going behind the scenes. That's getting understanding Nothing you see in life, according to history, repeating itself out of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Everything you see in history and life, you never take at face value. Once you understand, there's something going on behind the scenes. I think my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Esther. Not for what the things that you would actually think. But Esther's the only book in the Bible where God is not mentioned. There's no mention of God doing anything. There's no, thus saith the Lord. There's no, his name is not mentioned one time in the book of Esther. And I remember reading that and thinking to myself, well, that's a strange book. And so I really wanted to f- go behind the scenes. First thing I noticed that Esther was out of place. In your Bible, you have Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther. You know that's the wrong order? Probably never caught that. The right order should be, in chronological events, Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah. So the first thing that caught my attention was, why is that book out of place? Now, the scholar, I asked a guy one time, and he said, well, that's because they, the, the, the guys, when they put the Bible together, they just made a mistake. Well, I knew that wasn't true. I didn't know when, when his mom and dad decided to have him, that was probably a mistake, but, but that wasn't the thing with the book. So, <clears throat> so I, I started looking at that, and then I found that the book of Esther may be the only book in the Bible where God is not mentioned at all, but when you begin to look at it, you see that God is behind the scenes in every chapter of that book doing something. Then it caught my, it got it, it caught me. What's happening in the book of Esther? Oh, I'll tell you what's happening. A Gentile queen is being dethroned, and a Gentile queen 
is coming to the throne. Excuse me, backwards. Gentile queen is being dethroned and a Jewish queen is coming to the throne. And I looked at that and I said, that book's a picture of the times of the Gentiles, the last part of where we're at. Because what God is doing right now, <clears throat> he has dethroned the Gentiles and he's establishing the nation of Israel, the Jewish queen. Then I started looking. <clears throat> There's an Antichrist guy in there, Haman. There's a guy <clears throat> who represents the nation of Israel. And then the Antichrist guy is trying to get the Israel guy killed. And I saw behind this book where no God was mentioned, God was actively doing everything that he did. You know what that told me? In the day and age that we're living in right now, probably from 1900 to up to where we're at, you don't find God doing much because everybody's rejecting him. But you know what God is doing? He's behind the scenes. He may not be in churches because he's on the outside knocking to get in. Church of the closed door. He'll be in some churches who keep the door open because key of David. Well, what he is doing is he's behind the scenes when it's not apparent because churches don't believe in him anymore. They've rejected his work. They've done the same thing that Israel did. Our modern-day scribes and Pharisees and scholars and Sadducees have done the same thing to the church that the devil used to implant back in the first coming of Christ. And you know what? God's still getting the job done. But you've got to go behind the scenes to see that. You've got to get behind the veil. You've got to see who's pulling the strings to give this great illusion that at face value, the world is really becoming a better place, that politics are going to make it better, that the Democrats or the Republicans or whoever is going to give you a better place to live, that the World Health Organization is going to solve all your problems. That, you know, that uh, unemployment and that uh, all the things that the government is going to do, the free education, the free, the, oh, what a great, that's all an illusion. What is going on behind the scenes is that the Lord is preparing everything for his return. And God's people are on the outside looking in. They've been, they've been, they have been, what I said a couple of weeks ago, I told you not to be disarmed. Don't let them take your Bible. And that's what the devil did. Stay in your church, just use my Bible. And when he disarmed the people, then there was nothing to keep the people from being deceived. So they saw everything at face value, which wasn't true. They could not go behind the veil and see who's pulling the strings. And when they got disarmed, and after they got deceived, and Christianity doesn't work for them, and they lose their kids, they lose their marriage, they lose their own faith in God, they lose all of those things, then they get discouraged. Be not disarmed, be not deceived, and be not discouraged. And this is what the devil has done today. This is what you get out of John chapter 5. It shows you what's really going on here. What's really taking place. Because at face value, it just looks like a bunch of people didn't like him. But oh, when you go back and put the pieces together and look behind that curtain, there's a whole lot going on. Now next week, I'm going to take this same chapter and I'm going to give you, because everybody needs to know this, I'm going to give you four or five of the absolute proof out of this chapter that Jesus Christ was very God. And we'll talk about that next week. The devil uh, is, is going to do everything he can to keep God's people from fighting the truth. We're going to do everything we can to get you the truth. So let's hold up there. We're going to immediately go upstairs.